Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. And today, we're going to be talking about a remake debate. Yeah, we haven't done a remake debate in a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I figured since... And there's so many remakes we could go into, and especially with the Hellraiser remake that just came out on Hulu, mm-hmm. we'll definitely be covering that soon. Yeah. But... In the meantime, we thought it would be fun to kind of utilize this time while Peacock has all of the Universal monster movies. Because we did cover Frankenstein's remake debate in yeah. the past. Yes. But we have, and the Wolfman one too. Mm-hmm. But we haven't covered Dracula, the Invisible Man yet. And I'm very surprised that we haven't done a vampire one yet. Because I thought we did, but it turns out we didn't. No, we've done vampire debates where we picked movies that had vampires in it and debated about which was better. But we never did the original to the remake. Yes. For this. For for Dracula. So, So, yeah. So, that's why I thought we did this appropriately to do Dracula, the 1931 version and the 1992 version, which they are 59 years apart. Yeah. It was funny because when we came up with this idea, I had asked Colin if you had to pick which movie was considered the original version of dracula because there's so many different arguments about which is the original i mean i, I mean know nosferatu is was the first vampire like film but it was like not really dracula it was just taking the story from the bram stoker and making it different yeah which is problematic to say the least mm-hmm. That's like plagiarizing to an, a certain extent. But I love Nosferatu. It's a classic for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Nosferatu, the character itself, is a lot more terrifying looking oh, than yeah. the Orlock. Dracula. Count Orlock. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. a lot more terrifying looking than the Dracula. Yeah, compared to the suave looking Dracula that Bela Lugosi portrays yes. in the film. So, yes. So, as usual, when we do these remake debates or any movie discussion, I go through the information, I talk about the summary, and then I go through the plot and bring up fun facts along the way. Mm -hmm. So, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and jump into the first Dracula movie. Good idea. So, it was released on February 14th, 1931. Your birthday. My birthday is on Valentine's Day. So, this would have been... Oh, God. I was born in 93. Yes. Yeah, so, so, like, 62 years? Yes, yeah, 62 years. Wow. Oh That's God. a lot. So, that movie was 62 years old when you were born. Yes. Oh, my God. It was God. directed by Todd Browning and Cart... I'm so sorry if I mispronounced this name. <laughs> F-R-E-U-N-D. Free... Free... Uh, Freeund. Freeund? Okay. Yeah. Yes. It has a runtime of an hour and 15 minutes, and it's based on a novel by Bram Stoker. Uh, it stars Bella Lugosi, Dwight Fry, David Manners, Edward Van Sloan, Helen Chandler, and Francis Dade. And the summary goes, The dashing, mysterious Count Dracula, after hypnotizing a British soldier, Renfield, into his mindless slave, travels to London and takes up residence in an old castle. Soon, Dracula begins to wreak havoc, sucking the blood of young women and turning them into vampires. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I know this is your favorite. It's not what I think, it's what I know, but growing up when I first got into horror films and I watched Dracula for the first time and I was just so in love with it because it was just, he wasn't gruesome, he wasn't that terrifying looking, but his mannerisms and stuff and make you do anything, really, and like under his power and just... Yeah, I've always I always loved Dracula, just like, you know, the way his essence and like his flow and his charm and 
charisma, but it could also still be scary. Mm -hmm. And that's what I loved about it. You know, he could be two things at once. I did want to bring up an interesting fun fact, because usually when I do these researches, I go through IMDb behind-the-scenes facts and such. Bela Lugosi was so eager to repeat his stage success and play the Count Dracula role for the film version that he agreed to $500 per week for a seven-week shooting schedule, a paltry sum even during the days of the Depression. And in fact, his salary was only one quarter that of actor David Manners, who plays Jonathan Harker. However, this fact may be misleading. Although David Manners earned about $2,000 a week, he likely didn't pocket all of that money. Mm-hmm. Manners was under contract to Warner Brothers slash First National, which had quote-unquote loaned out their contract player at a rate considerably higher than the performer's weekly salary. Hence, much of Manners' salary went directly to Warner Brothers slash First National. So, you gotta think of it this way. 1931 was no. a weird time. It was still for, part of the Depression. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, like, it's at a time when the Great Depression was still wreaking havoc on people financially. Yep. And in the golden ages of Hollywood, the 1910s, 20s, and 30s were kind of like when movies were really up and coming. Yeah. So this is something to really think about when we think of like how movies were made then versus how they're made today and how much budgeting goes into a movie exactly. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just think about, okay, well, I need to get the right camera equipment and use the right camera film or digital or something like that. You got to pay your actors too. Yeah. So back then, yeah. actors were paid essentially a considerable amount not as much as we see actors make today yeah like chris hemsworth makes billions of dollars off the thor movies alone yes that's true but back then they should be happy that they're getting what they're getting now compared to what what it was like back then but back then actors like bella lugosi and boris karloff and lon cheney were making like probably one fifteenth of that yeah compared to what chris is making yeah yeah it's like very, very small fraction compared to what people are getting paid today in Hollywood. Like, if they're getting so, paid that much today of what they got paid back then, they'll probably, like, cover, like, their um, apartment or something. Yeah. Yeah. And you also got to take into consideration, too, <laughs> there's high-budgeted movies and high-marketed movies mm-hmm. versus indie movies as well. True. That's a whole different level of budgeting when you're making an indie independent film. Mm-hmm. So, I thought that part was just interesting to share. Yeah, is there is. anything else you want to talk about before I get into the plot? No, no, go for the plot. Okay. Yeah. So Renfield is a solicitor traveling to Count Dracula's castle in Transylvania on a business matter. Mm-hmm. The local village people fear that vampires inhabit the castle and warn Renfield not to go there. Renfield refuses to stay at the village inn and asks his carriage driver to take him to the Borgo Pass. Renfield is driven to the castle by Dracula's coach with Dracula disguised as the driver. Uh-huh. En route, Renfield sticks his head out the window to ask the driver to <coughs> slow down, but sees the driver has disappeared and a bat leading the horses. Yep. Dwight Fry plays Renfield. Dwight Fry is a very good actor, very, very intense in his uh, method acting, and mm-hmm. he's been in more than one film. He was actually, years later, about, I think, what, 10 or so years later, he was in, well, way more than that. He was in... Uh, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. Yeah. He was one of the villagers. Yeah. And you could totally tell it was him. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, when we watched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman, I watched it and I was like, that 
that guy looks like Renfield from Dracula. And you're like, because it is Renfield from Dracula. And he I'm ha- like, oh, wow. He has a very distinct voice. And very spe- distinct voice and very distinct, like, facial features. Especially his famous scene where he's caught in the boat and he's like, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and there's actually something here I wanted to read. The innkeeper says to Renfield in front of the inn, the quote, the driver, he is afraid. While Pergus Knight, and this is a angelicized form of the German Walpurgis Nacht, which is the eve of St. Walpurgis, the evening of April 30th, also known as May Eve, or the eve of May Day. This night is one of several during the year in which supernatural beings of various kinds roam at large, according to the traditional superstitions of various regions, which I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah. Because it's you know, really incorporating cultural traditions into the writing. See, that's why, like, when people do stuff like that, when they incorporate actual, like, traditions into stuff, like, you know that's, like, writers taking their time to do their research to make it more authentic. Yeah. Which I think is really interesting. So Renfield enters the castle and is welcomed by the charming but eccentric Count who next day. Dracula hypnotizes Renfield into an open window... Renfield faints as a bat appears, and Dracula's three wives close in on him, but Dracula waves them away, then attacks Renfield himself. Aboard the schooner Vesta, Renfield is a raving lunatic slave to Dracula, who hides in a coffin and feeds on the ship's crew. When the ship reaches England, Renfield is discovered to be the only living person. Renfield is sent to Dr. Seward's sanitarium adjoining Carfax Abbey. Now, there's another thing I wanted to read here that I thought was also interesting. In the scene where Dracula and Renfield are traveling to London by boat, the footage shown is borrowed from a universal silent film called The Stormbreaker, which was released in 1925. Mm -hmm. Silent films were projected at a different frames per second speed from that later adapted for sound films, or accounting for the jerky movements and quicker-than-normal action of these shots. What do you think? I like that. Yeah? Yeah. It was very intriguing, especially for, like, the the things they did for that. Yeah. Especially for the silent film. Yeah. And I also want to point out something, too. So this kind of relationship, there's actually something called Renfield Syndrome. Oh. Yeah. So the, the whole thing about Renfield is that he longs to be a vampire and to prepare him of Dracula's mm-hmm. he feeds off of insects small creatures mm-hmm. things like that yeah. to help kind of prepare himself for the bloodthirst that he would probably endeavor I just feel like Dracula's kind of playing him like like he doing is playing that. him he's doing all that but in the end he doesn't even change him so he's kind of just leading him on be like oh just have this and then you'll be ready in right. no time it's like he needs somebody to be able to help him transport his body and coffin yeah. from one location to the other. And then Renfield he can't realizes... Do it. Yeah, he can't later. do it during the day, Yeah. so he needs somebody to help him. But there is a thing called Renfield Syndrome that when people start to develop a bloodlust... I can't uh, believe they call it that. That's yeah, funny. it's called Renfield Syndrome. It's weird. <laughs> That's so funny. And it also kind of showcases this weird codependency between a master and servant relationship. That sounds like everyday like, relationships I see with codependency. Yeah, it's like the... Well, instead of master, I won't want to say dom, because it's like <laughs> dominative person is part of like a BDSM relationship. But that's a different type of relationship. It's not really one that's like... 
as toxic as this is being portrayed in Dracula. True. This type of relationship between Dracula and Renfield is that Dracula has promised him the life of immortality and of being a vampire, and Renfield is attracted to that power, that bloodlust, that lifestyle, and he longs for it. So he's doing everything he can to make Dracula happy in order to achieve his personal goal of being a vampire. True. But there's no real promise at the end that he's going to get what he wants. Because obviously he gets taken to a sanitarium and then Dracula doesn't even try to free him. In fact, he uses Renfield more as sort of a conduit to get closer to his victims. So because he, So he can conduit. Conduit. Yeah, it was Don't don't troll with me right now, Colin. <laughs> I am not in the mood for this. Like, I'm not in the mood for your shit. Alright. So but there's a reason for this, right? So to continue with the plot, at a London theater, Dracula meets Seaward. Seaward introduces his daughter Mina and her fiance John Harker and a family friend Lucy Weston. Lucy is fascinated by Count Dracula, and that night, Dracula enters her room and feasts on her blood while she sleeps. Mm -hmm. Lucy dies the next day after a string of blood transfusions. Now, Dr. Seward, again, is the doctor who runs the sanitarium where Renfield is being held. Mm -hmm. And it's never really proven or clarified where this sanitarium is located, but it seems that Renfield is able to, like, come and go within the doctor's home as he pleases. And he seems to develop a friendship with Mina, which is how Dracula uses him to get closer to her and the people around her. So that, again, is just constantly manipulating and taking advantage of Renfield. yes. So I digress. Renfield is obsessed with eating flies and spiders. Uh, Yes, he is. Polymath doctor Professor Van Helsing analyzes Renfield's blood and discovers his obsession. He starts talking about vampires, and that afternoon, Renfield begs Seaward to send him away, claiming his nightly cries may disturb Mina's dreams. When Dracula calls Renfield through the medium of a wolf howling, Renfield is disturbed by Van Helsing showing him wolfsbane, which Van Helsing says is used for protection from vampires. Dracula visits Mina, asleep in her bedroom, and bites her. The next evening, Dracula enters for a visit, and Van Helsing and Harker notice that he does not have a mirror reflection. When Van Helsing reveals this to Dracula, he smashes the mirror and leaves. Exactly. Van Helsing deduces that Dracula is the vampire behind the recent tragedies. Mina leaves her room and runs to Dracula in the garden, where he attacks her. The maid finds her, and newspapers report that a woman in white is luring children from the park and biting them. Sound familiar? Very much so. Okay. Sounds like... Yep. (laughs) Mina recognizes the lady is Lucy, risen as a vampire. Harker wants to take Mina to London for safety, but is convinced to leave Mina with Van Helsing. Van Helsing orders Nurse Briggs to take care of Mina when she sleeps and not to remove the wreath of wolfsbane from her neck. Any thoughts? Other than, you know, Lucy going after little kids and... Dracula's running amok all over the place, you know. Other than that, yeah, no, it's nuts. And uh, especially for this at that time, was this perfect storytelling. And uh, yeah, just I love the part where uh, Dracula just like hits the hits the mirror and like and everything, and he just runs out like he was just so insulted because mm-hmm. he thought he was just going to come over for a just nice chat, you know, with Van Helsing and them. But then again, he knows Van Helsing very well, so. He knows something was going to be up, 
So yeah. he's ready for anything. And that's the thing about Dracula. He's smart. And that's the thing about vampires, too, is that they know they're, like, two or three steps ahead of everyone. You mm-hmm. know, because not only their strength and they have a lot of, like, different powers, but they're also very smart. I do want to bring up a couple of things that's very interesting about how Dracula is portrayed in this story so far. Mm-hmm. Because a couple of things I'm reading here is very important, I feel. So cinematographer Carl Freund, the co-director, mm-hmm. achieved the effect of Dracula's hypnotic stare by aiming two pencil spotlights into the actor's eyes. Exactly, and that's what I noticed when I watched the movie. That, combined with the fact that Dracula never once blinks his eyes, is an effect that enhances the undead character's otherworldly aura, abetted by Bela Lugosi's famous menacing stare. Mm-hmm. Now, I do want to bring up one thing, because I am going to talk about this later when we get into the remake, but Dracula's accent. Yeah. So, clearly, and this is like all depictions of Dracula originate from Transylvania. Yeah. And Romania, Europe cultures, right? Yeah. So he's got a very Bella, yeah. So he's got a very prominent European accent. Mm-hmm. While it was rumored that Bela Lugosi could not speak English very well and had to learn his lines phonetically, this is not exactly true. Because Lugosi was speaking English as well as he ever would by the time this movie was filmed. Yeah. Which is interesting. When I seen interviews of Bella, especially back in that time period, like his voice, you can like, you can hear what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Like you can hear his pronunciations and stuff. And it sounded very good for a guy who's from over in uh, Europe. Right. Because I'm trying to remember where he's from. I don't know if he's from Hungary or uh, he's from Romania originally. So... I give props to Bella, you know, for definitely learning. Yeah, sorry, I'm just looking at more stuff. Oh, the spider webs in Dracula's castle were created by shooting rubber cement from a rotary gun. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting. (laughs) That's the most random (laughs) piece of fact about Dracula, honestly. Oh, so this quote from Dracula, when I go through these lists, they're not exactly in chronological order of the movie's plot. What's up? Listen to them. Children of the night, what music they make. Okay, that was a little odd. That was very good, actually. That wasn't that great. You know, anyway. You, you suck. Anyway. Ha, was, no pun intended. It was voted as number 83 movie quotes by the American Film Institute out of 100. I think that's a pretty interesting quote, though. Yeah, but it's 83. Why would it be all the way up that high? It's a very famous quote. And they put it in 83? Come on. What's number one? I ate his liver with fava beans and a nice Chianti. Maybe. Probably. I would see. I would. I can see that. Yeah. So Renfield escapes from his cell and listens to the men discussing vampires. Before his attendant takes Renfield back to his cell, Renfield relates to them how Dracula convinced Renfield to allow him to enter the sanitarium by promising him thousands of rats full of blood and life. Hmm. Dracula enters the Seaward Parlor and talks with Van Helsing. Dracula states that Mina now belongs to him and warns Van Helsing to return to his home country. Van Helsing swears to excavate Carfax Abbey and destroy Dracula. Dracula attempts to hypnotize Van Helsing, but the latter's resolve proves stronger. As Dracula lunges at Van Helsing, he draws a crucifix from his coat, forcing Dracula to retreat. Harker visits Mina on a terrace, and she speaks to him of how she loves night and fogs. A bat flies above them and squeaks to Mina. She then attacks Harker, but Van Helsing and Seaward save him. 
Mina confesses that Dracula has what he has done to her and tells Harker their love is finished. Ooh. Oh, shit. See, see I... not only there is some scares in here, but there is some romantic soap opera drama. I know. I have a... Well, I'll get into it when we get into the remake. Yeah, but it's a lot different from the remake, but yes. It is a lot different from the remake, but I'm going to get into that when we get there. Okay, well, hurry up then. Dracula hypnotizes Briggs into removing the wolf's bang from Mina's neck and opening the windows. Van Helsing and Harker see Renfield heading for Carfax Abbey. Arriving there, they see Dracula with Mina. When Harker shouts to Mina, Dracula thinks Renfield has betrayed him by leading him there and to kill him. Dracula is hunted by Van Helsing and Harker, who know that Dracula is forced to sleep in his coffin during daylight, and the sun is rising. Van Helsing prepares a wooden stake while Harker searches for Mina. Van Helsing impales Dracula through the heart, killing him, and Mina returns to normal. And that is essentially how the movie ends. Uh. Anything you want to add? Well, you know, it's funny. I thought there would be more towards the ending of how Dracula would get killed, but literally, he's just sitting there in his coffin waiting for his death, basically, and Van Helsing just stabs him with the stake, and just, it was just such a What's that word I'm looking for? A climatic ending that I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Like, it was very simple and very to the point. I'm like, wow, I thought there would be more to this. Because when I see endings to scary movies of how they kill the creatures, that there would be more to it. But I guess even back then, is this is how they kind of did it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading something kind of funny. So, yeah. So, would you like to share what you're reading? I'm trying to find something to kind of, like, follow this up with. I will say this, though. I watched Dracula for the first time a few weeks ago. Yeah, but did you watch the whole thing? Yes, I did. Did you? Yes, I did. You weren't home. Oh, okay. Remember? You went out one night. I was home by myself. Peacock had just released all the Universal Monster movies. And you did watch the whole movie. And I was like, you know what? I do this sometimes. I'm like, I'm home by myself. Colin's not home. I want to watch something that I haven't watched before. So I'll queue up a horror movie from Netflix or Peacock or HBO Max or whatever. Yeah. And I'll watch a new horror movie. Dracula was the first one that I watched that night. And it was really good for what it was. Mm -hmm. I thought it was sort of similar to the remake. Really? And yeah, in certain similarities to a lot of different references made to Dracula over the years. Yeah, true. But I feel like the remake is a lot more epic. The remake definitely adds a little bit more to the plot mm-hmm. than what the original does, but it sort of stays true to the original in some aspects. True. But see, that's what makes a remake a remake. It doesn't have to be shot for shot, frame for frame. Of the same, same thing. Yeah. yeah. You can have a similar story plot, but add a few different con- yeah. concepts give, to it. Give it more of a modern twist and just add some things that the original did not have. Yeah. Like, in the remake, I'm not going to lie, when I watch the remake and I see the chemistry between Gary Oldman's Dracula and Winona Ryder's Mina, I kind of was rooting for them to be together more yeah. than her and Keanu Reeves. I feel like their um, their dynamic and their relationship was a little more of firecracker. Like, a little more, there was so much passion in it compared to Jonathan Harker and, uh, and uh, Mina in this one. Mm-hmm. And that's what I saw. It's just like... The two, they, the two originally, they were meant to be together, but Mina was just like, I don't know, it's just like something missing. And then Dracula comes into the picture and realizes that they had such a history in the past. Yeah. 
So I, I like that aspect of the story, the the romantic side to it. Sorry. Stupid yeah. computer notification. Anyway, there's a couple of things I was just reading here that I thought were very interesting. So remember how I said earlier it's based off of the novel by Bram Stoker? Mm-hmm. This film was based on the stage play rather than the book. Yeah. As the actual book included such key characters as a group of Wild West cowboys, Mm -hmm. which will come up later, the original story was far too convoluted. Interestingly, later versions of the play gave a nod to the film. For example, Dracula's line, I do not drink dot 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 wine, was not in the play, but no. it was later added in order to meet audiences' expectations. It was improvised. Now, I think this choice would have made it a much more interesting film. But Betty Davis, mm-hmm. who had a contract under Universal at the time, was considered to play the part of Mina Harker. Yo. However, that Universal went. had Carl Lamel yep. Jr. didn't think too highly of her sex appeal. Yeah, especially those Are you eyes. kidding me? Are you kidding me? Bette Davis would have been hot. Iconic. Yeah, yeah but everyone would just be mostly focusing on her eyes. You know, because that's what she was mostly famous for. <laughs> okay. Because literally that's what she's famous for. And that's why there's the song Betty's Davis Eyes by Kim Wilde. Well, not Kim Wilde. Uh, is it Kim Wilde? I don't know. I'll look it up later. And you were right. I'm reading something here. The film was met with very mixed reactions upon its release in Bela Lugosi's home country of Hungary. Yep. Oh, man. I'm good. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go I on. thought that was really interesting. Yeah. This is the sixth most popular movie at the U.S. box office for 1931. Hmm. So it was a success, but it wasn't number one. It was widely popular mm-hmm. for its time so i will give it that yeah is there anything you want to add to before we go on to the next movie other than that it is truly a classic and i love this movie and it's also in my top five vampire films of all time no not really i mean all i right. think we're pretty good so other than that let's go to the remake all right so the remake of bram stoker's dracula which is the full title of this film was released on november 13th 1992 with a runtime of two hours and seven minutes, and was directed by Francis Ford Coppola. He's a very well-known director. Who? Francis Ford Coppola. Yes, he is. And here's the thing that I wanted to tell you also. Gary Oldman was very interested. Like, he, he, he read the script to this, but the only reason why he wanted to do, do Dracula, not because of the film or anything, but he wanted to work with Francis Ford Coppola because he loves his work. So, literally, that's why he did the movie, just to do that, to do it with him. Well, yeah, because Francis Ford Coppola directed a lot of great films Mm -hmm. in his time. Yeah, he did. Actually, I think one of them he did, he did The Outsiders. He did do that. So, Francis Ford Coppola, he did, let's go down the thing, The Godfather, the whole series, Apocalypse uh, Apocalypse Now, Mm -hmm. did The Outsiders, uh, The Rainmaker, uh, Rumblefish did Platoon. He did American Graffiti. Graffiti. He did Jack with Robin Williams, which that is crazy. He did Jeepers Creepers. Oh wow! Wait, really? Yeah, he did. I don't think he did though. Well, it says he did on here. He did Sleepy Hollow. He did Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. No way. He may have helped worked on it, but I don't think he directed it. No, but he. This is some of his work he did. Because some of these movies that we've talked about are directed by other people. Yeah, but I guess he was kind of involved with them. He did also Paper Moon. Okay. Which, that's a classic. Uh Uh-huh. And, yeah. 
All right. So it stars Gary Oldman, who we mentioned, Renona Ryder, who we also mentioned, Keanu Reeves, Anthony Hopkins, and Sadie Frost. Anthony Hopkins, this is the second remake we've discussed with him in it. Oh, yeah. Well, he's done a lot of these types of films. Yeah, but he was in the Wolfman remake, Mm -hmm. which I think is pretty interesting. And the synopsis goes... Did I even write down the synopsis? I don't think you did, but okay. Uh Uh-oh. Well, we'll get into the plot. It's pretty much the same thing. I will say this, though. Like I said, there's a lot of differences between this version and the original. Yeah. Like, when we go into the movie, we are introduced to Renfield, but it's already after he's been hypnotized by Dracula. Exactly. So they wanted to do that already to repeat that. Yeah, so they didn't want to have to retell that story. They just wanted to imply that this is Renfield. He claimed that Dracula promised him all of this. Yeah. And then as a result, he resorted to eating flies, spiders, bats, or not bats, uh, rats and yeah. other small animals. Just imagine if he eats own, his own bats. <laughs> He's a cannibal that way. Yeah. So, But the man who played Renfield in this one was Tom Waits, a very famous rock musician. And he's really, really good in this movie. Like, his his portrayal of Renfield was just definitely, for me, it's definitely untouchable. Yeah. So, I love his work. I do want to read one thing. So, during pre-production of the movie, Francis <clears throat> Ford Coppola came up with the idea that when in the presence of being such of a being such as a vampire, the laws of physics don't work correctly. This is why shadows often act independently of the figures casting them, why rats can run along a ceiling upside down, and why liquid drips up. Mm -hmm. I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, it's really putting a lot into, like, the mythology behind vampirism, but what do you think? I... (laughs) I think it's very intriguing how they uh, take that realism of that and put it in here. Ooh, casting choices. Here we go. Francis Ford Coppola had openly criticized his own reasoning for casting Keanu Reeves as Jonathan Harker. According to him, he needed a young, hot star... Uh, Of course. ...that would connect with the female film goers. Well, yeah, because you want not only guys there, you don't want a huge sausage fest. You also want women there, too, to woo over the uh, the stars of the film. And for you, I know in your case, you woo over Gary Ullman's portrayal of Dracula. We is- will get there when we get there, but you don't <laughs> need to call me out like that. Oh, I will. <laughs> I will call you out like that, you motherfucker. I do want to point out one thing, because you and I have different opinions when it comes to practical effects versus CGI. But Francis Ford Coppola had insisted that he didn't want to use any kind of elaborate special effects or computer trickery when making the movie. Well, that's why this film was so good, because the the effects of this film, especially with the creatures and certain cinematographies of things and, like, the lighting and also kind of, like, you see the eye that's, like, either in the sky or right by Jonathan Harker as he's reading the letter on the train. Like, that type of, like, shit was amazing. Like, seriously, that's why I kind of liked the uh, remake better than Dracula, because of, like, it just added a little more of that eerie special effects to it that that nineteen that the movie in 1931 couldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know? I'm, tr- I'm going through all, of, like, the production stuff, because mm-hmm. I think those are very important to talk about when we... When we think about the movie and we talk about the movie, there's a lot of imagery that goes into making the movie. And I think the reasoning that, you know, directors and producers, when they make these casting decisions or certain choices to help build a dynamic between their 
casts and characters. I think it's very interesting when they make those calls. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, producer and director Francis Ford Coppola had Richard E. Grant, who played Dr. Seward, Carrie Ells, who played Lord Arthur Holmwood, and Billy Campbell, who played Quincy P. Morris, embark on a series of quote-unquote adventures, including horseback riding and hot air ballooning, to build the camaraderie between the three. Yeah. Because these three characters work very close together. I mean, obviously, when you watch the movie, the one thing they have in common is that they all have the hots for Lucy Weston. Yeah. And they're all pining for her affection and for her... Possibly hand in marriage, maybe. But the fact that, despite all of that, despite the fact that they are essentially men who are, what would you call them? Not opponents, but what would you call them? They're all all just kind of competing for her love. Yeah, like they're competing for her love, but at the same time, they all work together as... They know each other, they're close with each other, but they're all going after the same woman, which is kind of odd. Yeah. You know, and I'm surprised they're not doing like a, uh, um, what is it, Russian roulette or like doing anything like that. I love that they don't let the fact that, yeah, we all love this woman, but we're not going to let her ruin our friendship. We're not going to let this, what do you call it? They're going to not Not farce, but I'm trying to think of the word for it. Uh, We're not going to let this drive it a wedge into our friendship. That's what I was trying to say, and you weren't even letting me get a chance there. Because I'm trying to think of words. I'm not good with words. Well, how about you stop talking and let me talk then? (laughs) God. All right. Do you have anything you want to add before I Well, I was going to say until you interrupted, but no, um... But no, but with three of them, I feel like they probably all grew up with each other and they're like mm-hmm. very close friends, like the little rascals. So that's why they're like, we'll never let a girl break our friendship up. <laughs> yeah. You know, but other than that, yes. Um, I love the scene where one of them, he's the doctor. He's like the, <laughs> the sensitive clumsy one and he tripped on a freaking rug. And I thought that was the funniest thing ever because all of them are so different. You have one cowboy. You mm-hmm. have the dangerous cowboy. You have the um, uh, the clumsy, sensitive, you know, friend zone guy. And then you have um, the one who's really supposed to be with her, which is played by Carrie Wells. I, w- I was going to say, you know something? Lucy clearly has feelings for all of these men. She is a woman with... Needs? Appetites. Appetites. So yeah. there's appetizers, main no. course, and then dessert. She is a woman with appetites, right? Yes. For whatever reason, these three men, we've all established that they're friends, right? Mm -hmm. They each bring something to the relationship that's different from one another. Dr. Seward is a doctor, but he's very knowledgeable. He's a scholarly type of man. Yeah, but he's very sensitive, too, I can tell. Exactly. Yeah. Arthur... Is a rich man, so he brings a lot of financial security to Wealth the relationship. And, yeah, security. And he's sweet. He's kind. He's considerate of Lucy and her needs. Mm-hmm. Quincy he brings is excitement and danger yeah, and sex. He's like an adrenaline rush type of guy. Yeah. And Lucy finds him exciting. Yeah. All bring something different to the relationships with Lucy that she loves in all of them. You know, and I think that's the thing too that makes this movie so interesting is that. These characters are more three-dimensional than the characters in the original Dracula movie. Mm-hmm. And remember how I said earlier the title, the full title is Bram Stoker's Dracula? Yeah. There's a reason for that. 
Okay. So Francis Ford Coppola claims that Bram Stoker's name was included into the title because he had a tradition of putting the author's names in the titles of his movies that are adapted from novels. Like he did for Godfather. Right, such as Mario Puzo's The Godfather and John Grisham's The Rainmaker. Others have claimed, however, that Stoker's name was included in the title to avoid legal action from Universal Studios, who claimed to own the rights of the simple title Dracula from 1931. Mm -hmm. I thought that was pretty interesting. That is very intriguing, so yes. The book mentions the brides, right, of Dracula? Mm -hmm. Yes. So the book, the original, and the remake all have these depictions of Dracula's three brides, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. It's never really fully explained why he has these three brides, right? Mm -hmm. They're just these women who are vampires that follow him wherever he goes. Francis Ford Coppola had noted on the DVD commentary that although the three actresses playing Dracula's brides had agreed to appear nude in this film, everybody on set was too timid to ask them to take off their clothes before filming their scenes. Mm-hmm. Coppola asked his son Roman to ask them, but Roman didn't want to do it either and asked another crew member to do it. <laughs> Thoughts? Well, you know, they need to get the job done somehow. So literally, yeah, ask, if you can't ask the one guy, ask the other. And if that guy can't do it, ask the other, you know, and so on and so forth. So I thought it was kind of comical that they did this. Yeah. Also, casting choices. Liam Neeson was considered for and very much wanted for the role of Professor Abraham Van Helsing. Ah. But after Sir Anthony Hopkins, still riding the success of The Silence of the Lambs, showed interest in the role and Neeson was ultimately turned down. Oh, and that must have hurt Neeson a lot. I don't know, because that was... I don't know. That was... Well, during that time, he was coming off of like two years after doing Darkman. Yeah. and uh, But Anthony Hopkins, like, I feel like they definitely picked him because his popularity with Silence of the Lambs and how good of an actor he could be. Yeah. Because he not only could play a, a bad guy, but he can also play a good guy as well. I found a really, really interesting comment, or not comment, but a fact. I'm going to wait until we get to that particular part of the movie to go into it because I find it very intriguing. Okay, well, keep going then. Because remember we talked about authenticity? Yeah. That's going to play a really huge part in this movie. So I'm going to get into the plot now. Yeah, well, yes. Don't, yeah. So one of the things that they didn't do in the original was gave Dracula a backstory. This is what they do in the remake, okay? Which I love the backstory for Dracula in this one. Yes. It ties in heavily with the real-life historical figure Vlad the Impaler, Mm -hmm. which is what Dracula was inspired by, right? Yeah. In 1462... Vlad Dracula returns from a victory in his campaign against the Ottoman Empire to find his wife, Elisabetta, committing suicide after his enemies falsely reported his death. A priest tells him that his wife's soul is damned to hell for committing suicide. Enraged, Vlad desecrates the chapel and renounces God, declaring he will rise from the grave to avenge Elisabetta with all the powers of darkness. He then drives his sword into the chapel's stone cross and drinks the blood that pours from it, becoming a vampire. In 1897, solicitor Jonathan Harker takes the Transylvanian Count Dracula as a client from his colleague R.M. Renfield, who we discussed earlier, who has gone insane and is now admitted in Dr. Jack Seward's insane asylum. 
Jonathan travels to Transylvania to arrange Dracula's real estate acquisitions in London. Jonathan meets Dracula, who finds a picture of his fiancée, Mina Murray, and believes she is the reincarnation of Elisabetta. Dracula leaves Jonathan to be fed upon by his brides while he sails to England with Transylvanian soil, taking up residence at Carfax Abbey. So, he does all this without any help from anybody. Not Jonathan, not Renfield. He's the man. He just leaves. Yeah. Leaves Harker in Transylvania to be... He basically abandons him like he's a child, and he's like, oh, I'll be back. I'm just going to go to the store for a pack of cigarettes. In this case, it's like, I've already purchased the Carfax Abbey Estate, Mm -hmm. which I know is nearby where you live. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And your wife is there, and she looks exactly like my wife. So I'm going to leave you here with my three wives while I go down to London... And meet your wife and make her mine. Right. Damn. (laughs) That's a burn. So in London, Dracula hypnotically seduces, then bites Mina's friend, Lucy Westernia. So her name has been changed. Westernia? What kind of fucking name is that? Well, Westerna. So he bites Mina's best friend, Lucy, with Mm -hmm. whom she is staying while Jonathan is in Transylvania. Which, that scene was nuts. Especially with him turning into that giant, gruesome werewolf. Yes. Which, that was really cool werewolf makeup. Yes. Lucy's deteriorating health and behavioral changes prompt former suitors Quincy Morris and Dr. Seward, along with her fiancé, Arthur Holmwood, to summon Dr. Abraham Van Helsing, mm-hmm. Seward's mentor, who recognizes Lucy as a victim of a vampire. Dracula, appearing young and handsome during daylight, meets and charms Mina. Mina begins to develop feelings for Dracula, accompanying him on several outings. Mm-hmm. When Mina finally receives word from Jonathan, who has escaped the castle and recovered at a convent, she travels to Romania to marry him. Upon learning this, a heartbroken Dracula transforms Lucy into a vampire. Van Helsing, Holmwood, Seward, and Morris kill and beheaded and the undead Lucy the following night. Now, this is where I want to bring up the most interesting fact that I found from this movie. Oh. So, producer and director Francis Ford Coppola explains on the DVD commentary that Mina and Harker's wedding was a reshoot done at a Los Angeles Greek Orthodox church. Oh. They filmed the entire ceremony with a genuine Romanian Orthodox minister and realized afterwards that Renona Ryder and Keanu Reeves may have really been married to each other. Not in any legal sense, but, quote, under the eyes of God, as Ryder claims. Reeves has since confessed that he often gets text messages from Ryder that reads, Hello, husband, and they are both completely fine with it. I don't know how much of that is true, but this was on IMDb. That has to be awkward for their loved ones, whoever they get with. I find this completely entertaining. Hello, husband. Oh, my God. Hello, husband. (laughs) Can you just imagine Renona Ryder texting me and be like, hello, husband. I'm like, oh, my God. Renona Ryder is still texting me about this. Renona Ryder is amazing. I love her. Yes. Yeah. I mean, if I was Keanu Reeves and I had her as my wife, yeah, I'd probably be like, yeah, that's my wife, you know? Right. Yeah. I would take it. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I think all of it is the whole scene where Van Helsing and the boys go and get rid of lucy i think that whole scene itself is very compelling yeah. because the way she looks she's completely white 
pale Which face. Which her makeup was amazing. Yeah, she's got <sighs> blood dripping from her mouth and the fangs are why, coming out. Why can't I look like and that? And she's like, when she seduces Arthur to like come to her, you can tell he's like entranced. Yeah, he's just like, I want to get this. <laughs> like, he's like, I would die for this lady. Yeah. Literally. Especially the way you look right now. But yeah. Right. No, but yeah, I probably would have done the same thing. Being like, oh my god. <laughs> Okay, so after Harker and Mina return to London, Harker and Van Helsing lead the others to Carfax Abbey where they destroy the Count's boxes of soil. Dracula enters the asylum and kills Renfield for warning Mina of his presence. He visits Mina, who is staying in Seaward's quarters, and confesses that he murdered Lucy and has been terrorizing Mina's friends. Though furious at first, Mina admits that she still loves him and remembers Elizabetta's previous life. In her, at her instance. Mm. Um, Dracula begins transforming her into a vampire. The hunters burst into the room and Dracula claims Mina is his bride before escaping. As Mina changes, Van Helsing hypnotizes her and learns via her connection with Dracula that he is sailing home in his last remaining box. Yeah. The hunters depart for Varna to intercept him, but Dracula reads Mina's mind and invades them. The hunters split up. Van Helsing and Mina travel to the Borgo Pass and the castle, while the others try to stop the Romani travelers transporting Dracula. At night, Van Helsing and Mina are approached by Dracula's brides. Mina succumbs to their chanting and attempts to seduce Van Helsing. Before Mina can feed on his blood, Van Helsing places a communion wafer on her forehead leaving a mark. He surrounds them with a ring of fire to protect them from the brides, mm-hmm. then kills them the following morning. Good. Dracula's carriage arrives at the castle, pursued by the hunters. A fight between the hunters and Romani travelers ensues. Morris is stabbed in the back, and Dracula bursts from his coffin at sunset. Jonathan slits his throat with a kukri knife, I believe that's how you pronounce it, okay. while Morris stabs him in the heart. As Dracula staggers, Mina rushes to his defense. Van Helsing and Jonathan allow her to retreat with the Count, and Morris dies from his wound, surrounded by his friends. In the chapel, where he renounced God, Dracula lies dying in an ancient demonic form. He and Mina share a kiss as the candles adorning the chapel light up and the cross repairs itself. Dracula reverts to his younger self and asks Mina to give him peace. Mina thrusts the knife through his heart and as he dies, the mark on her forehead disappears. She then decapitates him and gazes up at a fresco of Vlad and Elisabetta, finally reunited and ascending to heaven together. Oh, wow. Thoughts? Such a beautiful, beautiful telling there in the very end. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think you were trying to say charcuterie knife? So, no. Okay. I almost thought that was like that. I was like, so they have a no. spread? Do you see this word right here? Kukri? Oh. Kukri, yes. yes. Kukri, yes. That's what it looks like. Okay. I almost thought you were trying to say charcuterie. I was just no. like, I didn't know they were trying to do a little like gathering with some cheese and some crackers. Now, I said this before. I was going to talk about Gary Oldman's performance as Dracula because I just found another interesting thing. And I feel like I'm going to sneeze. Hang on. Oh, God. I hate this feeling so much. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Anyway, every time I drink coffee in the morning, I get phlegmy and I sneeze a lot. I don't know why. It always happens when I drink coffee. Now I feel like I'm going to sneeze because of you now. Well, it's very painful. I have to subside the sneezing. 
Otherwise, I'm going to have to crop it out. Anyway, <laughs> Gary Oldman hired a singing coach to help him lower his voice by an octave to help him give Dracula a more sinister quality. Yeah. His accent in this movie is fucking sexy. Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like my sweet Mina. <laughs> he's when like, you, the, the scene that really did it for me was the scene where Jonathan is traveling to the castle and he's in the train and he opens up the letter sent from Dracula yeah. to him. He's like, my dear friend. And you hear the voice over as Dracula reads the note and it's so fucking good. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Oh my god, now I know what you, what you dream about at night. <laughs> my sister picks on me for this. And me. Everybody picks on me for... They're like, how do you find that sexy? I'm like, because yeah. it is sexy! You've seen him, and he's fucking ugly. Ugh. There's even, like, on TikTok... So, on TikTok, there's these two guys called the Debatin' Buddies. And they did a video a while back where they debated over best actor of all time. But they didn't really debate because they both agreed that Gary Oldman was the best actor of all time. Which, yeah. they're not wrong. He's a good actor. He can play a villain and a hero in, like, a different variety of, like... He's a great, also, like, I like to call method actors. And he's definitely, he's done a lot of different characters mm -hmm. throughout the years. And I think, definitely, he can, he's a British man that could pull off an American accent very well. It's very interesting, too, because remember I mentioned he hired a singing coach to help with his vocal range for yes, the speaking remember, part? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Prince Vlad's scream after he drives his sword into the cross is not the voice of Gary Oldman. It's Lux Interior, the lead singer yep. of the band. The, the Cramps. Yes. Oh my god, he that's awesome. He recorded the scream and it was dubbed in later in the movie. That was Lux Interior? Yep. <gasps> You're going to look at that scene completely different now. Yo, especially when I hear... <laughs> it kind of makes sense because when I hear Lux Interior scream, I'm like, wow, he has a really great screaming voice. I'm like... Oh my god, he's Dracula and Bram Stoker Dracula. He does the voice of the scream. That's awesome. That makes me so happy. Oh my mm -hmm. god. Because uh, I love the cramps. I really do. Their stuff is great. And literally, oh my god, Lux Interior is such a, he's an idol. <laughs> so I hear him scream now and Dracula, it's going to be a whole different thing now. Mm -hmm. Fuck. <laughs> but I so, digress. Remember how we talked about the scene where the Van Helsing and the men go to kill Lucy mm -hmm. as she's a vampire. Yeah. So when that scene happens, they go into the mausoleum where her body was laid to rest, mm -hmm. but she's not there. They suddenly hear a child crying in the distance and it's getting closer and closer and closer. Yeah. It's because Lucy has abducted a child and intended to feed on her. Well, yes, right? I know that, yes. So, carried by Lucy was genuinely terrified of Sadie Frost in her vampire makeup and obviously wasn't expecting to do more than one take. But <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola and Sadie had to do a lot of sweet talking to the kid in order to get her back into Sadie's arms for another go at the scene. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I can see that. I mean, you see the makeup job of Sadie is freaking horrifying, for yeah. especially for a little kid. So, literally, how do you even, like, try to be professional about it, especially for a little kid? One of my favorite quotes from this movie, and it's said all throughout the movie. Is it the I, I, um, Oceans thing? Yeah. yeah. So, Gary Oldman said that when he first read the script, he decided it would be worth doing the movie just so he can feel what it would be like to say, 
I've crossed oceans of time to find you to somebody. It's like the equivalent of Dracula saying Children of the Night. It's like Not really. Like a, well, no. Not it's like, really. It's like a famous quote in that one, and then the famous quote in this one is for him. But the message and the context is not the same. Yes, I know. And even Lucy says, you know, oceans of love to her suitors. Because she's like, my love for you all is like vast, like oceans. But you know, I like that's... that, though. I've crossed oceans of time to find you. And that's actually yeah. quite amazing. And again, the way he says it with that fucking accent is just swoon worthy. I hope kids are not listening to this. I would like to think not, but... <laughs> But. You never know. <laughs> that's just my opinion. You are gross. Doesn't anyway. have to be right. Doesn't have to be wrong. Well, but you, that's just my opinion. You're not right or wrong, but you're just gross. <laughs> like you're one to fucking talk. Yeah, but I'm Colin. I can be gross. I've you seen your are Insta- delicate like a flower. I've seen your Instagram feed. <laughs> yeah, you're not one to fucking talk either, yeah, you yeah, dick. Yeah, no, anyway. no, no. Anyway, anyway, let's not talk about that because it's not about me. It's about Dracula here. Dick. Oh, Gary Oldman was drunk the night they filmed the scene where he had to lick blood from Keanu Reeves' straight razor. The scene was filmed after midnight, which added to the spirit of the scene and helped put the cast, quote, in a in the proper mood. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Oh, and the scene where Sadie Frost was getting back into her coffin, like when they held the cross up, yeah. that scene was shot in reverse. Wow, really? Sometimes they'll do that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To make, that actually did make sense. To uh, make certain actions look more fluid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that know? did make sense. The rewinding part, it did look like they were rewinding it for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I'm not surprised. But other than that, what do you think of this remake? I like it a lot more than the original. I yeah. mean, the original is good. Don't get me wrong. When it is. I first it's watched a classic, it, yes. When I first watched it, I was like, <sighs> it's not horrifying compared to what I'm used to. But I can see how it's appealing to its target audience back in the day. Yeah, but I feel like with this remake, it's just, I love that there was so much more to it. That yeah. There was so much more to the story and what happened and why some certain things make sense. Yeah. That they couldn't do in the first one because especially budget-wise and storytelling, yeah, they couldn't. But Yeah, and definitely I will say this for sure. Yeah. In this remake, you can definitely see more of the tortured spirit that is Dracula itself. Mm-hmm. Because I had this conversation with somebody a while back, but we talked about how universal monsters are sort of like tortured souls. Like They are. They're, they're people who don't really like experience... A full range of emotions like most people do. They feel sad. They feel anger. They feel forlorning, And they feel... They feel like, trapped. They feel like they're in despair. Because especially characters or creatures like Dracula. Where you're doomed to walk the world... Like, the walk earth. The earth the- alone for millions of years until you eventually die. Yeah, when we don't know when that's going to be. But yeah. yes. And it's like... That can be pretty lonely. That can be pretty depressing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, unless you find that person that you can share the rest of your days with, that can be a pretty daunting feeling. So when we watch this remake, like, yes, there's Dracula. Yes, there's his brides. But when he meets Mina, it's like he's completely found, it's like he found that person, Mm -hmm. you know? He's like, I found the person that I was meant to be with. And I don't want to lose that person ever again. Exactly. Because he already lost her once. Yeah, and he doesn't want to do that again. Right. But then he finds the picture. He's like, oh my gosh, it's her. I have to find her. Yeah. Yeah. That's why he said, I have crossed oceans of time to find you. Like, he waited hundreds of years to find... More than that. 
Well, yeah, but he's waited hundreds of years to find her. His love never died for his wife, but seeing Mina brought it all back for him. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Which is interesting because Gary Oldman or Nona Ryder did not get along during the movie. No, they didn't. The rest of the cast was shocked because the two of them had been friendly during rehearsals, but then it came back from a break in the scheduled seemingly hating each other well they probably had tension that's for sure and probably and probably some of them couldn't really work on certain parts together yeah they were probably having a hard time a little more because it adds a little more flair and love and just add a little more of everything and the cinematography i love this and the creatures alone are great and how they're crafted and made Yes. And the makeup job of a lot of these people. Like, they had some top-notch people in Hollywood to do this. Oh, yeah. Even at the time. So, at the time, if I was a grown man, because I was about three when this came out. So, imagine me as a grown man waiting for this movie. 59 years for them to come up with another really good Dracula movie. Yeah, I probably would wait for it. But I'm glad that when I got older, I watched this movie from a kid and growing up and appreciating this movie. Mm-hmm. And it just really kind of like helped me appreciate not only the original, but this as well. Because they're both great in their own ways, but they're both different, and that's what they needed. Yeah. And like I said, it is sort of the same story, but it is a lot more different. And they, like I said, they added new characters. They gave a much more deeper connection between Dracula and Mina. Mm-hmm. And like you said, all the different versions of dracula because he goes through different transformations throughout the movie yeah there's his original form when he was prince vlad Mm -hmm. there was his older form when we when jonathan harker first meets him i actually have the funkos of both oh yeah i bought you those yeah so there's all these different versions of dracula throughout the movie that we see Mm-hmm. Which we didn't really get in the original. And I like that. Yeah. What do you think? I know. You already elaborated. Yes, I already did. So I don't think I have to elaborate anymore. Okay. I, I mean, that does conclude the conversation. But is there anything you want to talk about non-Dracula related before we sign off? Not really. All right. I mean, unless you have something in mind. In recent months, yeah. right, we have all these movies that have came out. We mm-hmm. had... Rob Zombie's The Monsters. We had Mr. Harrigan's Phone. All of these movies are coming out on Netflix and Hulu and streaming services. We have yet to watch. And Mm -hmm. we have other things lined up in the future. I do want to talk about Hellraiser next week because a lot of people have talked about it. And Hellraiser, the original Hellraiser, is still on my to-be-watched list. So I want to get to that next just so I can get it out of the way and then eventually go into watching the Hellraiser remake. Yeah. And then we're releasing this episode the week of October 16th, 2022. Mm-hmm. So Halloween Ends has also came out in theaters and on Peacock, which we have. We've already explained this. I've talked about Peacock numerous times. I, I don't know. I mean, I know you want to watch in the theater. I kind of don't. I really do. I, I just feel like with the TV that we have right now, it's kind of small. It's not going to really have that impact of watching it in theaters on a much larger screen where it's like in your face. Yeah. It's not going to be as impactful. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I also heard certain things about the film also. Don't tell me because I don't want to ruin it for myself. Right. I'm trying so hard to stay off of social media so I don't ruin the fucking movie for, for myself. But how's that going? Pretty well. Because every time, like when I scroll through TikTok and people are like, 
Oh, so I just watched the new Halloween movie. Okay, scroll, 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 scroll. You're like, just, I'm done. I'm the, done. The second somebody says, I just watched the new Halloween Ends movie, I scroll. I keep scrolling. Because it's like, first of all, don't fucking ruin that shit for me. I haven't watched it yet. I don't know when I'm going to be able to watch it. <laughs> but I do want to watch it in theaters. I don't care if you go with me or not. I will find a way to go by myself. That if I have probably... to call up Carolyn and oh, ask her to take me. Our movie going host. Yes. I would rather go watch it with her than with you. Hi, Carolyn. If, if that's how you're going to be, <laughs> Say hi to Carolyn. Hi, Carolyn. Can you take me to go see Halloween end sometime soon? Well, actually thinking, because since our one-year wedding anniversary is coming up, we could go For see it. For another three fucking weeks. No, actually two and a half. Still. But we could go see it. I have to wait two weeks to watch Halloween Ends. Hey, that's love. Not really. No, actually, you can go without me if you want to go with Carolyn. I was going to say, because if you make me wait another two and a half weeks to go see (laughs) Halloween Ends, you suck ass. Uh, I'll watch it at home while you go watch in the theater, because at least I watch it, and if it's not good, at least I didn't like regret paying my money for it. I will say this, though. I'll tell you what. Because, like I said... I'll tell you what. (laughs) The TV that we have now is a dinky little Roku TV. It's yeah. about 37 inches big. If anyone wants to buy it, please let us know. No. Okay, fine. Mm. But we got a bigger screen TV. Much bigger. We still have to install it mm-hmm. and get it hooked up and everything. Mm-hmm. If you get that hooked up before our anniversary, we'll I will watch it at home. Yeah, and we can invite some people over, too, to watch it with us. Right. Yeah. That would be fine. That would be amazing. And our... we would save a buttload of money doing that. Fuck, yeah. But that Especially means... on snacks. But that means you have to take the initiative to get people over to help you install it. All right, fine. I will do that. Just leave me alone. No. <laughs> no well, until then, just let me do my thing. That's fine. all I'm saying. I had mentioned, like, a while back, we had started a TikTok account, right? Yeah. So, if you go to TikTok and look up Abby Normal Podcast, you'll see our logo picture, and we've already posted, like, quite a few videos for ourselves. And, for the most part, everything's been doing good with it. We've gotten a lot of new followers and people liking our videos and stuff. I love that, and I appreciate for everyone following us and really liking our content. Yeah. However, the other day, I posted a video. I always say on our podcast, you know, everybody has an opinion. Mm Mm-hmm. You are entitled to that opinion. It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't have to be wrong. But that is your opinion. That being said, if you have an opinion about something, that's fine. You know? But when your opinion starts to become hateful and is meant to hurt people or make them feel in a negative way, that's when your opinion is no longer valid. You're just being an asshole. You know? Because I had made a comment from my personal TikTok in the comment section of one of our podcast TikToks, it's pretty much asking a question to drive conversations in the comments. And the question in general was to Colin, would you be considered an 80s baby if you were born in 1989? Which is what Colin is. He was born January 31st, 1989. And although you were really, really young, and by the time you like grew into yourself as a person, It was later in the 90s. But you grew up on a lot of the 80s stuff, the 90s, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I asked a general question, and somebody had followed up saying, of course it is. What a stupid question to ask. First of all, there's no such thing as a stupid question. If life has taught us anything, people have questions. There's never curious. Yeah. It's curiosity. Yeah. And it's just a question to derive conversation. That being said, were my feelings hurt? Not really. But did I find the comment to be 
mean-spirited. Yeah. I feel like it was also not only mean-spirited, but also kind of juvenile and naive. Exactly. Like, there's already a bunch of mean people on the internet making content for all the wrong reasons, and then there are meaner people who are eating it up. Yeah, and even though I was raised in the 90s and stuff, I am still considered an 80s baby because I was in the end of the 80s. I was still considered all the 80s. Right. That being said, if I catch anybody in our comment section on any of our platforms, whether it's Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, or whatever, you will be blocked, your comment will be removed, and it will not be tolerated I'm on... just saying, just be respectful. That's yeah, that's all. all we're saying, It's just yeah. be respectful. Like, our our platforms are meant to have conversations. We're meant to be... be um, of, oh, what's that word? We're meant to be... Oh, I can't even say it because I feel flustered now. We're meant to have... Good quality... Uh, content, right? And you know, everyone getting along and talking about the same things that we're both that we're passionate about. Yeah, and when people do things like movie reviews or movie conversations or reviews about anything, yes, there's going to be opinions. Yes, there's going to be biases. You don't have to agree with them, but you can at least be respectful of them. But when people, like I said, when their opinions start to become hurtful or bashing because of their political, social, or religious biases that in turn hurt people, that's when it starts to become a problem. Like, for example, the She-Hulk show. A lot of men didn't like She-Hulk because they did. They felt like they didn't need to put out another female Marvel superhero. That, in turn, creates a lot of negative feedback from a certain demographic. Mm-hmm. It's like, first of all, your your opinion based on that alone is not even valid. You're just being a douchebag, a dickhead, and an asshole because you don't think women should be represented as strong and... Independent. Po- yeah, strong, independent, and powerful. Mm-hmm. That is not a positive way of looking at it. No. And I can see why other people didn't like She-Hulk. And those, like, they didn't like the way it was written. Some people didn't like the fourth wall break. Some people didn't like the way things looked in the story. Like, those things are fine. But if your only argument for not liking She-Hulk is because Marvel didn't need to put out another female superhero, I'm sorry, but that's not a good enough reason. Because that's just you being a sexist, misogynistic pig. Because I remember in the old Marvels, like Phase 1 and all that, like one after another, it was a male, male, male. Right. Like that kept going. Right. And that's what everyone mostly knows it for because in those beginnings, if there was a woman in one of those films, even back then, it probably would have been fine. But no, but they kept going with the same formula of male, male, male superhero and just... Going with that. Right. And it's like, again, if that's your only argument is because you don't like She-Hulk because she's a strong female superhero, that makes you sound like a sexist and a misogynistic douchebag. Mm-hmm. And there's no room for that on any platform. If you can't bring anything constructive to the conversation to be more intellectual, then that's not even a good argument. And, and quite frankly, it's not worth my time. Yeah. So that's that's all I wanted to address when it comes to social yeah. media. So let's just say for right now, let's be kind to one another. Yeah. Especially if we're talking to each other on, especially on platforms like ours. Right. Let's just show respect. That's all. I know you're sick of me ranting and bitching about things. But... No, but but we only have enough uh, enough time. Right. Yeah. So, literally, other than that, 
let's just show kindness and respect. And other than that, I would like to give a little shout out to my cousin Jacob and his new wife and his wife, um, uh, Alexa, for getting married <laughs> yesterday. And I went to the wedding and it was a lot of fun. And they had a Halloween themed wedding, which was perfect. Yeah. And I wore my little Halloween outfit, which they <laughs> loved. Mm-hmm. And I'm gl- I'm glad I didn't wear an orange Mr. Pumpkin's outfit, or else it would have been like overshadowing the the bride and groom. But I didn't go to the wedding. Yes, but, but okay, go. But we would like to say congrats to both Jacob and Alexa, Alexa for their marriage. Now I didn't get to go to the wedding, but when Colin was telling me about it, he kept saying the phrase Jacob's wife a lot, which (laughs) if you remember from a while back, Shudder had released a movie called Jacob's Wife starring Barbara Crampton, where she played a pastor's wife who turned into a vampire. It was a funny movie and I really, really liked it. So when Colin keeps referring Alexa to Jacob's wife, I can't help but chuckle. I couldn't stop laughing when she finally made me realize that. And I'm like, oh, shit. I couldn't help but chuckle. And then the other thing was, you know, we were thinking about what to get him for a gift. And I said, well, her name is Alexa. How funny would it be if we got them an Amazon Alexa speaker? <laughs> and then they'll be going back and forth and be like, hey, Alexa. And just be like... <laughs> oh my god. I, wouldn't, I couldn't stop laughing. It was funny. But no, but... But those I, are just my two funny bits yes but we're both very happy for them and we mm-hmm. would like to give them a big shout out and congrats to them mm-hmm. for a long and healthy life of marriage and love and till death do us part and we really hope you enjoy the salt and pepper shakers we got you yep mm-hmm. of the frankenstein and the bride of frankenstein but, but other than that this has been the abby normal podcast and we hope that you all enjoy the show. And you are... And my name <laughs> is Colin Bourne. And I'm Aaliyah. <laughs> signing off saying, see me. See me now. That's so creepy. I know, right? <laughs>